This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome <laughs> to My Favorite Murder, a true crime podcast for people who are into facts and percentages. <laughs> that in itself is not a fact. That's right. That's Karen Calgara. That's Georgia Hardstark. And welcome. And we are finally back in my apartment. Yeah, this is quite an adjustment. I know. I'm like, I've been really looking forward to this, to just be like in our element. I was going to clean up the podcast loft. What happened? It, I mean, all you have to do is look at it to know what happened. It's like a fucking bomb went off in there. An Australian gift bomb? An Australian gift bomb. A We Watch Wrestling fucking merch bomb. Oh, shit. There's empty fucking sparklets bottles up there. I always forget that there's two podcasts <laughs> being being beamed out of this apartment. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on, not just us. Yeah. And both Vince and I, like, are the keepers of the things. So it's just, and it, you know. There's also cat barf. I'm going to be honest right now. Okay. Yeah, good. I welcome that honesty. Yeah. Um, I don't have a cat barf equivalent in my house at the moment. <laughs> although I did open the door to a new do- my dog walker went on vacation. And she told me she had a replacement, but she didn't say the replacement was automatically coming. She just gave me the number of the person I could call. Oh. And so at like 11 in the morning, while well, I was wearing a... Uh, when I wear my black pajamas, they become black with white yeah. hair pajamas. And I was sitting there working on something and the doorbell rang and I was like, what could possibly be happening right Isn't now? Isn't the worst feeling when the doorbell rings? It's the worst. I sneak to the door quietly and look out the thing, people, yeah. and then I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, but like, I'm like front door on the sidewalk. Right. So it's whoever. <laughs> and a lot of times it's people who are um, shilling for a church or sure. a real estate agency. Hey, are you thinking about selling your house? Hey, I think you should sell this piece of shit house and get out from get out from underwater. Um, it's usually that one time it was the bug man. Did I tell you about that? Uh-uh. When I opened the door and the guy goes, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm and then he stood back a little bit and goes, the bug man. Ew. And I just shut the door. Because <laughs> he was like, he started to say my neighbors used him to like yeah. for ex- an exterminator or something. But he he was really young and good looking and he had like a uniform on. Fuck and him. I was just like, get out of here, yeah, dude. Don't try to charm me. You're going to bug charm me? Yeah. Like, no, never. Never. Um, so this time was weird because it was two beautiful Northern European looking people with accents. Oh my God. So I was like, and George immediately goes out because they have the, the door open. This is a yeah. boring story, but it, long and short of it is I met the dog walker that I had no intention of calling because I didn't want to talk to a new person yeah. or have to make some kind of a new connection. No, I was going to be like, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And then they, she, she just showed up now every day <gasps> to like, it is her passion. And you can't to tell her dogs. like, 
Leave me alone. No. She's already, they've already been in. They've seen the worst of the worst. It's a thing where you like know that someone's counting on the money that you're paying them. Yeah. Like I I've been in that position. Where you're going to show up no matter what. Where you, t- I thought that I was getting this much money this week from this job that I thought I had. And then someone tells you you're not. And you're so broke that you're like, well, now I thought I could cover rent and I can't. Like that's happened to me. And I burst into tears because I was like, how you canceled on me and now I'm fucked. So what you went and did something? No, no, I never did it. But it's like, I don't, I wouldn't want to disappoint. I wouldn't want to do that to someone who's like, hi, I'm here. Like I'm supposed to be. And you're like, no, actually you can take this week off. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine anyone's paying rent with like dog walking. <laughs> that's a, I don't know if that's a good plan. Yeah. Although I have to say my dog walker makes bank because she has a bunch of dogs aside from my two. And she does stuff like stays, stays the night. For, oh, for a slightly higher rate. That's where the money is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I didn't, I didn't take away, I didn't take away her rent. Well, I let her and her husband come in and take my dog. That's good of you. <laughs> that's really good of you. Uh huh. A mitzvah. It didn't feel great though, because it was like I was hiring beautiful. Right. I, I think they're Danish people. Love Danish. to walk my pets while I sit home like a little pile of dirty laundry and write on my computer. Love it. Right. Um, can I do housekeeping? Sure. So I bet we have a lot. Yeah. Um, really quickly the, for the tour, we're, we're going on this tour now. It started in Australia. It ends who knows where and, and who knows when and who knows when and what and how. And why? And why? And it could be, I mean, stay tuned. I mean, <clears throat> so the the two that I want to mention, the, we have a late show in Detroit that's coming up on the 29th. Uh, and still tickets for the late show? Still tickets for the late show. Oh, nice. And then Toronto, uh, they're on the 30th. There's still a couple tickets for that. And then, so if you go to myfavoritemurder.com slash live, I'm not going to fucking say the dates. I'm going to tell if you hear your city, go to myfavoritemurder.com slash live because <laughs> nobody wants to fucking listen to this. San Diego, Anaheim. Minneapolis, Madison, Wisconsin, Tampa, Houston, Dallas, St. Louis, and Kansas City. If you've heard, if I've called your name, go to the fucking. My they website. all have tickets left. Yeah. Oh wow. Not a okay. ton. So I these people get so mad at us that it sells out. But I know that that's what I'm saying. You're yeah. kind of really walking that line yeah. of like that. I can't imagine. Well, we'll see. You know what? Maybe you don't want to hey, come. That's you know okay. What? Here's the thing. You don't have to come. Maybe you have anxiety. A lot of shit goes down. I mean, what we can guarantee you is an eventful you never know. night. You know what's cool about that is like, I have an issue with going to any, I maybe more so when I was younger, like any event alone, like just showing up anywhere alone freaked me out. I've seen a movie alone once like as an experiment because I was so scared and I ran on my fucking ex-boyfriend with his girlfriend there <laughs> no. so like that's how great it was what movie was it uh, it was There Will Be Blood which is like <laughs> a movie you don't want to watch no. alone like you need to talk to someone about it after. yeah there's a lot there's a lot that there. was the only time I've ever gone to a movie alone <laughs> and that's Although how it went it- you could hide behind because it's like a good movie yeah. with a good director. So you could be like, oh, I just had to see this film. Or it could be like, my, I was with my friend, but they got triggered and ran out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just ran. They hate milk. <laughs> and milk and bowling. And lots of things. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So people are always people who we meet at the shows tell us that they came alone because yes. it's such an event because so many people have anxiety and they're like, and it was incredible. And I met awesome people yeah that's true So that to me is like the people who are scared of coming alone like you're gonna be sat next to someone who you're gonna be best friends with it's really true yeah it's just everyone we're all 
And then because everyone's the same, pretty much. Oh my God. Same has the same feel of person. It's hilarious to me. And also when people tell us they're alone, when they come to meet us at the meet and greet, I always go, there'll be somebody that's alone and they'll be like, that girl over there is alone. We always like yell over of like, go talk to her. And like, if you wear like a shirt that's like funny, that like, relates to something murdery someone's gonna come up to you like where did you get that be yeah. my best friend someone had a shirt shirt on at one of the meet and greets that said the husband did it did i talk yeah. about this and i bought us both i bought us both and yeah because that was the best shirt and i wore to therapy just to be like here's who i am <laughs> in your face and then my therapist this is how fucking sweet he is he was like uh Oh, what? Well, yeah, the, it's always the husband's fault. And I'm like, no, the husband murdered the wife. Like, he, he just didn't get. <laughs> oh, he my thought it point. meant like fighting. Yeah. And I was oh. like, no, 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 no. And in fact, uh, I went, I bought a car this week. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, which was like exciting on a lot of levels and scary. And the car dealer was like this super normal dude. And we were like looking at the car and he opened the trunk and Vince joked like, which I love that Vince said this, uh, oh, you can fit a few bodies in there. (laughs) And then he points to the emergency latch and just goes, just make sure you uh, disable that. Oh my God. (laughs) Whoa. I was like sold. Yes. Right? That's a good sale. You're my guy. I bought the car from him. How old is he? He was, he definitely didn't listen to the podcast. Like, is ever, I tweeted it and people like, he must be, no, no. he's just was like a family man. Lots of people have good senses of humor. Yeah. yeah. And he was like 28 or That's so. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I like that style. I do too. No. Like, you're just going, like, you don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to be, I've been locked in a trunk before in my life, but you're just fucking picking it up you know what it is it's if you've been locked in a trunk before in your life the fact that you're making the joke first means you're okay with right. it which means he can do what he wants right and that it's actually additional relief that he would join in and not leave you hanging right or go oh my god what's wrong with you right it's just a classic like bullshit salesman personality it's, yeah. it's why i like people like that and i hate myself for liking them because it's such an obvious like those smooth talkers are my favorite yeah and they're the they're the most full of shit the people who don't miss a beat right they don't react how thrilling yes exactly yeah. they go along with it it's like constant high-end improvising sure that makes you f- have to be smarter and quicker too but it also is like you're being heard it's exhausting it's it's thrilling. <laughs> um, uh, we were talking about this the other day on the mini, but I cannot get a sense of time or place. Oh, because of back being back. In, I know that it's too long to complain about jet lag. I'm still complaining about it because I'm still there. Well, it's not even just jet lag. It's just that it wasn't a vacation and we were constantly <laughs> busy. And most people don't fly three times inside of their flight to and from home. No. No, the the traveling that went on within the traveling right. was very intense. Um, Studying. So much. Uh, when I went to write my martyr for this week, it was not enjoyable because there were so many that we had to do for Australia and so many that I researched for Australia and yeah. chose not to do right, for Australia. me too. Because they were so intense. There's some fucked up, fucked up stories I from I have like there. five that are half written that I was going to do from Australia. Yeah. Um. It almost, it's almost good though, because now it feels like, well, we only have three in Detroit and Toronto. How great is that? That's a fucking walk in the park. It's no big deal. That's a cakewalk in the park. And we've never done, um, Toronto. Never. And we've gotten tons of suggestions since the beginning from Toronto. So yeah. like there's, there's lots of choices. It doesn't have to be, there's something about Australian 
a true crime that is very dark. It's like, oh my god, it is. It feel, for some reason, maybe this is judgment. Feels darker than regular. It feels like the only murders there are huge murders. Yes, there's no like, they don't have guns, so it's not like there's drive-bys. No, it's like a guy that's got like picked up a handful of red clay and painted his face red and then hid in the bushes to intentionally kill the innocent. Yeah. Like it's a lot of that over and or over. Or killed his family on the next level of family killing. Yes. What is that familia side? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just picked the story that's the best to tell in terms of you're not going to fucking believe right. this. Right. Um, a couple also, of- I've dipped into like ghost stories and shit. I've, <laughs> I've gone when I can't go directly to it, which is a thing that like I know a lot of murderers are like, I'm a murderino, have been since day one. This is my jam, which is great. But not everybody does it. 24 7 and like i personally can't do it so i have yeah a, i definitely have like murder fatigue right now because yeah. i just don't want i don't want to read about another axe that makes I, sense i just don't want it i can't get enough <laughs> i still can't get enough like i had to was researching a murder and then ended up you know watching six others on youtube mm-hmm. which is like has the most fucked up ones and then i was like this isn't even what you're talking about this week stop i have to like make myself stop watching it oh i did the same thing where i kept there's all kinds of um somebody tweeted this actually because there was a buzzfeed list that's like 16 of the most fucked up murders you've never heard of Jesus. which as someone tweeted us and all murdering us say yeah right like try, yeah try me basically yes. and they were most of ones that we've yeah. all heard but i always i read those i go through and i'm like of course i've heard it heard it heard it heard it heard it and i feel like like now I'm at that point of like it's almost like a magic the gathering level nerd murder nerd thing where I've I feel like I've had my hands in it for so long Mm -hmm. that I just am like just for a little while like I don't want to play this game anymore just for a little while and maybe it's just the traveling it'll get before we started this podcast I would have to take long breaks from murder stuff because I would get really depressed so the only thing that's kept me from that now which I, because we've been doing it nonstop is this, it's a job now, but I fucking would get dark and deep and depressed and w- scared of the world. Yeah. Cause it's, it's scary. It's scary. It's definitely scary. On a positive note, self care, everybody. Uh, Steven, should we talk about? Oh, yeah. Our new merch. So we've designed a shirt. Um, for Steve, in, on behalf of Steven. It pays tribute. Steven, surprise. He doesn't know about this. He no, doesn't I know. Have no idea. This has been in the works. We've been talking about it. We've been thinking about it. We've been talking and thinking about it. And then, um, so I asked the great Chris Fairbanks, who is my co-host on Do You Need a Ride, my other podcast. <laughs> um, and he's also a stand-up, a hilarious stand-up comic. So fucking funny. And a, but he's, what's funny, the most interesting thing, I think, is he is a brilliant graphic I artist. I had no idea. And until you were like, we should talk to Chris Fairbanks. And yeah. I was like, this. he fucking, the Do You Need a Ride cover, I had no idea, is the most intricate fucking awesome <laughs> cover I've ever seen. There's a monster eating a freeway in it. And that's just one of the things that's happening. It's just like. It's bananas. And when you told me that, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, it's on. Yeah. So, so, uh, I asked Chris to do a Steven cut that out design. Oh my gosh. And he's done it for us. Um, and this is it showing Steven oh right my- now. <laughs> look, look, here you go. Describe is. it, Steven. There's the swoop, uh, with my hair and it's a Steven 
all in red, like tracing along my hair as a silhouette. <laughs> and it says Steven, and then it finishes on the other side. It says cut that. And then it says my favorite murder on the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically Steven's silhouette. <sighs> hair, um, it's his hair silhouette. It's his hair, mustache, eyebrow silhouette. It's his facial oh hair silhouette. With it's, Steve, but yet Steven cut that and my favorite murder in, in the hair. Twi- intertwined <laughs> as oh the God. hair. And we, it should be up by the time, by the time you're hearing these words in your, in your face, this should be up on my favorite murder shirts. <laughs> fucking <laughs> idiot. Georgia.com. <laughs> wow. Uh, my favorite murder shirts.com. Steven, how do you feel? Uh, well, I can never change my hair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> also very honored that a fellow mustached brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's That's why it's so good. That's right. Oh my gosh. It's so so rad. When you sent it to me, I was like, yes, yes, yes. It's so fucking good. It's really good. And what's cool is that it's subtle and people who know will know. Yeah, exactly. It's well, like any other shirt, you have to know it. You have to know the show to have it make sense. Yeah. Even like the fun of it. It's great. Um, so hopefully we'll have that on totes and fucking mugs and stickers and I'm, I'm all red, and it's not Steven. just from the weird face mask Jackie made me try yesterday. <laughs> he is very red right now. He is. Uh, he gets embarrassed. Oh my god! Stephen was was heralded and lauded at all all through oh, Australia. People, people lost their. He shit. basically had a secondary meet and greet line where people would walk away from us and then walk over to Stephen's meet and greet. Yeah, and we like, could, I have a present for Stephen. Like, uh, give it to I him. Need, I need to go t- give this to Stephen and have him sign this. Yeah, a couple yeah. Of people are like, "Can Stephen be in this photo?" And we made him. Now Stephen has a signature pose, yeah, which is on one knee with his chin on his fist in it's front like of us. Child '90s like yeah. star prom thing. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. But now you have merch. You have MFM merch. Oh my god, that's yeah. official. Elvis so doesn't excited. even have MFM merch, <laughs> and he's a cat. I don't know. That wouldn't. That doesn't equivalent. I'm a cat. It's fine. Yeah, you're basically a cat. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing. Oh, can I shout out a fucking podcast that I've been listening to that I really love? Podcast Corner. It's called The Fall Line. It's a female investigative journalist who every season is going to talk about marginalized um, crimes in marginalized communities in Georgia. Whoa. Yeah. Because I think that's where she's from. So that's kind of what she's doing. Is she kicking off with the Atlantic Child Killer? No. She's it, she's like doing ones that we don't know about that are have been like bungled. Oh, yeah. So this is the 1990. Her, the first one's a 1990 disappearance of these twin sisters, Danette and Jeanette Millbrook. They were 15 year old African-American girls on their way home. Good girls. They weren't gonna be the, the typical not runaways yeah fucking disappeared oh horse quote the runaways and never got looked into and so this is actually like reopening the case and they're looking into it again now and it might get another one of those ones again in georgia where it might get solved yeah that's amazing on this they opening. tried to do runaways in the 90s fuck <clears throat> yeah i mean it was a poor neighborhood in georgia and you know in georgia african-american community but like the girls had seizure medication and didn't have it with them like you don't run away without your seizure medication you sure don't no and they were good girls and not that bad girls don't also good disappear right but that's part of the when it's the disenfranchised cultures that the people the larger um media or the uh, larger interpretation is always they were asking for it they deserved it they did something and 
they deserved it. And that's why it happened. Right. But and then they're, because I think the people think that way so they can just break off from any kind right. of care, emotional or responsibility. And it's like, not my problem. Yeah. Well, it won't to happen to me or anyone I love because, well, this is a really good one because she, um, she looks into all the possibilities, including a, like a couple serial killers in the, in the town, one of which sounds so fucking likely. Wow. And, uh, it's just a real, it's one of those, you know, female investigative journalism podcast and podcast that has a ton of fucking empathy. So it's, you feel it too. That's great. So that's the fall that line. That sounds amazing. Yeah. The fall line. The fall line. Yeah. And I think there's a, a GoFundMe campaign trying to raise money to help with, um, like either, you know, a, um, a reward for information or to fund, you know, something like that. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah, look into it. Um, that makes me think that um, <laughs> our friend Joe Thornley, oh I believe what her last name was. God. Someone just tweeted at me. She's number one. I know. She's n- got the number one podcast right now with her podcast, Zealot, which is about cults. Um, she was uh, she was the hometown, the end of the live Sydney show, which went up last week. She was the hometown murder, which we originally brought up because she said she could moonwalk and we knew it'd be a heavy, heavy episode, like because of what we were talking about. So we were like, come up and moonwalk by the way they have a hometown and she totally did and she was charming as fuck and she's like I also have a podcast called Zealot about cults <laughs> and I, I looked at her Instagram and it was like oh my god I'm number 46 on that <laughs> comedy she's also it's about cults but it's comedy which is yeah. like so up our alley yeah um I'm number 46 on the com- the iTunes comedy podcast. And then I looked at him like, oh my gosh, she's number three right below us. And now she's number she's one. She's fucking number one. Girl. Go girl. Get That's it. how it happened with us. Fuck yeah. I, I, I messaged her on Instagram. I was like, I bet I know how you fucking feel right now. You better <laughs> fucking enjoy this. It's the coolest thing that's ever happened. That's so good. Yeah, I'm so happy for her. Yeah, she's, she deserves that's it. That's so funny. And it was purely because she sent the perfectly... The, the concept of the tweet was you guys might not feel like talking by the time you get to the end. Let me just come up and moonwalk for you. And just the idea of that was so hilarious. She can't have imagined that we would have picked that because it's not what we do. No, it's just like a sidebar. But it was so funny. It to was me. so funny. And she definitely moonwalked, too. I mean, she that's why good people are following. It. She moonwalked in high heels. Oh, my God. For it was sure. crazy. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Happy for her. Um, anything else? I haven't watched the confession tapes. I don't want to talk about it. I watched some. Literally forty tweets a day saying watch it. Confession false confessions are not my thing because they stress me out so much. It's so stressful. And I can't wrap my head around them, even though I understand the ins and outs. It's just so hard. I I get so angry and stressed out that I can't watch that. But I am watching uh our Jessica Beale one. The Sinner. The Sinner. I'm on episode three. I'm really suddenly getting into it. Like I, the first episode, I was like, meh. Second, okay. Third, I'm fucking there. Yep. It's good. How about that dirty, dirty Bill Pullman? Oh, he's so sexy. Oh, he's dirty. Oh, my. He's a dirty little he's a slut. He's a dirty bird, isn't he? He wants to be shamed into <laughs> submission. I also love that woman that plays as dominatrix or girlfriend or whoever that woman is. Yeah. Who just looks like a normal woman. The second I see women like that on TV, I'm like, oh my God, there's just someone real real on TV. They're letting someone not emaciated be on TV. Do you know what else I love about her character is that she works at a classy restaurant instead of like, cause she looks like she'd work at a dive bar in the, on the, you know, off the drag. But it's like, nope, she works at a high end restaurant. It's like, you're not fucking making her this 
character that everyone thinks she is. No, she's like a self-possessed, self-actualized sex worker slash ex-girlfriend slash something else. It adds to the interest of like, yeah, this is how complex human beings yeah. actually yeah, are. Yeah, the acting is really no matter what, and I think I'm I think I'm really into it. But even if I'm not, the f- characters are really. Interesting. I think I'm really into it. Don't fight it. Just <laughs> like it. No, I'm gonna. I bought the. I bought the fucking <clears throat> season pass. I'm in. I'm gonna get my money's worth. It's great. Yeah. It's really. It's really well acted. Yeah. I am watching something because, as I announced, that I was uh, just taking a light, right. a light axe break. Um, there's a show called Toast of London. <laughs> Don't make me spit this all over the mic. You have, if you I'm like. I'm imagining it right now. Do you, or do you like Peep Show and shows oh, like that? Oh, I love Peep okay. Show. Oh, okay. This I is Matt was... Berry, mm-hmm. who, um. The bigger guy from Peep Show, right? No, no, no. He's oh. not from Peep Show, oh, but okay. he just, it reminds me of when you watch, well, sometimes when I brought, watch British comedy and it's so, it's so intelligently funny that it makes me, it like it makes me feel like screaming as I watch it because you don't because you have to be quiet the whole time because you're gonna miss a fuck anything so you can't laugh out loud there's you no laugh listen. track yes you have you're just listening as hard as you can and they're so dry there's no like punchline and it's like saying everyone wants everyone to be this funny like we're doing it here why won't you allow right people to do it there anyway it's called Toast of London he is like kind of a washed up actor wait it's is he the so guy hilarious from Dark places. Yes, Garth, oh, Garth Marenghi's dark that's place. It. Yes. Okay, I love him. It's like a new series, <laughs> and oh, it is. Please go watch the hilarious. ones we just mentioned. I think you have to go online, probably, right? I think they're all shit. on Netflix. Fuck, Dark Places and Peep Show are two of the Stephen, best. Stephen, we welcome to see if Garth Marenghi's Dark Places is on Netflix. It's just excellent. Also, there was a clip. We have to stop talking about this, but there is a scene, um, from Matt Berry's sketch show where he goes and he's like going to help this girl. Um, she's carrying a, a big, uh, fish yes. tank. Have you seen it? And they're walking and he's like, let me take that for you. And he's being super fake sweet to her. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, he's like, where are you going off this? And she finally goes like, Oh, my boyfriend's apartment's right over there. Oh. And he goes, fuck you and throws it yes. down. Yeah. And it's just a, somebody did a super cut of all the times he does that. Oh my God. And it's just, Thrown kick, he k- drop kicks a dog. The minute it's a girl so says, a woman says, "I have a boyfriend." Uh, my boy, like my yeah. boyfriend, my boyfriend. Fuck you! Fuck you. It's so, so funny. And the fish, the fish tank had fish in it, and he broke it, and they were on the ground. Yeah, he smashed it as hard as he could. Listen, that. so good, so good. Uh, well, no. go to YouTube. It's but to- Toast of London is on Netflix, and Peep Show's on still on Netflix, right? And do you know that Peep Show they're coming out with a new season? Oh my god! Yeah. They're like doing a, I it's it, called something. It's, it's sorry. It's not peep show, but they're coming out with a new okay, show. Okay, good. Good. Hey, should we sit down? Yeah. Should we talk about murder? Hey, let's do it. Uh, who the fuck is first and what are we basing it off of? I mean, Sydney, Sydney, the, yeah. the last show in Sydney. The, I'm sorry. Oh. The show at the opera house. Oh, the Sydney? opera house show. Oh, that show we did at the opera house. Who went first that time? Uh, I believe you did. Okay. Cause you went. You went last. You did the shark arm. <laughs> shark arm wasn't Sydney, so wasn't then I was first at okay. second night. Yeah. So it's so yeah. that's me. Okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. All right. This is the, sorry, I just forgot what I was doing. Um, this is the story of Jack Gilbert Graham and Flight 629. Mm. All right. So Jack Gilbert Graham, let's call him Jack, was born on... That's flight 629 now. I was like, do I ignore that airplane (laughs) flying into this place? Do we have some, like a black box that if if we get blown up by an airplane right now that they can find it? Can you save that? I don't don't think this would survive an airplane. Upload it right now, just in case. The apartment has a black box. That's all the apartments came with black boxes. Right, that's the thing. That's why you came here. That vintage ship painting, that's a black box. Oh, fuck yeah. Well, so, so Jack is born on January 23rd, 1932 in Denver, Colorado. I was going to do this for Denver, but then I'm like, I'm saving the shit out of this. He's a second child of Daisy Graham and her second husband, um, he, Jack is born during the Great Depression in 1937. His dad dies of pneumonia, which is a thing back in the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. It caused Daisy, Daisy then, his mother sent him to an orphanage because of their poverty. Super bummer. It oh. was a thing back then. Yeah. And sometimes they did, they just did it like it was a pawn shop where it was like, stay here for a little while. That's right. I'll come back and get you. Baby farmers. 
right? Weren't they called baby farmers in England? No, I didn't know that. That makes sense. Where you just kind of drop them off and they grow your baby and then you come pick them back up. (laughs) They grow your baby poorly. They grow your baby, but a lot of times what they would do is kill them and take the money. Yeah, they would take the money. (gasps) Be like, sure, sure, we'll totally take care of it and get money from the state or whatever. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So, but then Daisy goes and married, and I had to quote this because it was so good, (gasps) well-heeled, meaning rich as fuck. Yeah. Daisy marries a rich as fuck rancher named Earl King in 1941. She's now like fucking living the high life. Still doesn't get Jack from the orphanage. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's her old life. She wants to put all that behind her. She doesn't want to like stress out rancher guy. In his mansion. He ran away several times to be with her from the orphanage, but she always brought him back. Which is like, oh no, you're going to raise a... Oh, that's... So he would actually get to his mother's house. And she would bring him back. The mansion. The That's mansion. like something an orphan would make up. She's like, like, my she... mother lives nearby in a mansion. Right. And she she must not just be able to come get me. So I'm going to make it easier for her and go go there. Right? And then she's all, no thanks. Nope. Mm-mm. Then when Jack was eight years old, Daisy, she brought him home to the ranch to celebrate Christmas from the orphanage. Like, come on home from Christmas. Buys him a pony. And he's like, well, if you're buying me a pony, I'm clearly here to stay. Nope. Once Christmas was over, she takes him back <gasps> to the fucking orphanage. Can you imagine living a lavish, whatever, week life, week-long life in a mansion that your mother gets to stay in? Your and you mother? get a pony. And she, he, there was an older half-sister, so I, and, but it doesn't say, I wonder if she was actually living there, you know? Also, why don't they just send him to boarding school? Why right. does he have to be in an orphanage? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the husband, the richest fuck husband dies and she takes the money for inheritance, becomes a successful businesswoman and still doesn't fucking get him from the oh orphanage. I know. Daisy. Are you just telling me a super sad story this week? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. It's just all about orphans. This just week. take that up. Yeah. Well, don't worry. It gets worse. Okay. Um, when he's 16, he forges papers and he joins the Coast Guard. And But his real age is found out and he's discharged, which is so sad where it's like he might have had a good life if they had... Jo- like he he wanted to join the Coast Guard and, f- and be part of the military and they were like 16, which back then was like 27 <laughs> in terms of like being on your own. You could probably drink already. I mean, but if it was still during... it's This is a little after the Depression because maybe it's like no free lunches. Yeah. Come back when you're 18. Yeah. You have to yeah. get your own free lunch until... Yeah. Go get your free lunch at the orphanage. Because maybe they would get in trouble for, you know... That's true. Dangerous. I don't know. Um at 19, so finally at 19, he forged four, over four grand in checks, um, to finance a road trip that got him, and it ended up, the forged checks got him two months in a Texas jail for bootlegging and running a police roadblock block at 100 miles per hour, which sounds like fucking fun. Yes. Bootlegging. Yeah. At this point, he's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. I'm going to go. Everyone in charge is crazy. I'm going to live my life. Yeah. Uh, he's extradited back to Denver. His mom pays his, his uh, debt and probation is granted. So he then goes to the University of Denver, which is hilarious. Like he must be have some must be kind of smart 
Yeah. In a way. I uh, couldn't get into a u- <laughs> the university system here Fuck in no. California. What did our Uber driver tell us when we were in Boulder? <laughs> it was the night before school started oh, yeah. for the Bol- University of Boulder. Uh, uh, yes, I think so. Whatever. Whatever the college, local college. of Boulder. <laughs> She's, which Boulder I clearly you. couldn't get into. <laughs> she said to us, no, it was he. He said to us, yeah, well, Boulder's known, Boulder College is known as a pretty easy to get into school. <laughs> Insinuating that everyone there was stupid, <laughs> which I was just like, okay, I don't feel so bad about going to community college and dropping out now. I went to Sac State where they were like, please come here. <laughs> yeah. Please come and be one of the 200,000 people that go to this we school. We need you yeah. more than you need us. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. Goes but, the- but we should add this, that then after our show and... Uh, we all went downtown to like try to find a party. Yeah. Um, where people told us over and over again, don't go downtown. Yeah. Remember? yeah. <laughs> they were like, you don't want to go down there. Cause it was all college kids partying. College and- kids just running amok in the street. All of them lovely, polite. Oh yeah. My sister asked for directions at one point and the boy was like practically walked them to the door of the place they Aww. were trying to find. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not, listen, Boulder college. <clears throat> of- I mean, I just, I figured I'd put that out there too. Of Colorado. Um, that's very fair of you. I wasn't going to. I mean, do we that. can't call everybody stupid and just walk <laughs> away. You're right. Uh, dude, dude, dude. Okay, so blah, blah, blah. attends Denver University, meets his wife Gloria. Daisy, the mom, and Jack were estranged until 1954, when Jack was 22 years old, and Daisy at this point is running a successful restaurant. And in May of 1955, she builds a crown a she builds crown a drive in, which is what it was called for him to manage. She just like builds a place <laughs> so he'll have a fucking job. That's the big that's the big get back. That's the big sorry yeah. about the orphanage your whole hey, life. Remember when I abandoned the shit out of you forever? Hey, well, then how about some middle management? Yeah. How, how about, about you clean up French fry grease every night? <laughs> Good luck with that. And manage like roller skating waitresses who hate your guts. <laughs> Love mommy. Love your mommy. <laughs> Fucking. But Daisy and Jack, they still had a shitty relationship. They're often seen arguing. And in 1955, Daisy's restaurant, her other restaurant, has a gas explosion. It causes severe damage, closes her restaurant for good. Huh. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. In the most interesting kind of explosion, right. gas line explosion. Would I bring it up if it wasn't relevant? Probably Pro- not. Probably. Probably, yeah. but maybe not. Maybe not. We There's won't. always the choice. We won't know. <laughs> we'll never know. There's a third choice, and we don't know it yet. Um, then, okay, so Daisy at this point is a 53-year-old widow. 53 at that point is fucking old as shit. Yeah, like she's you're, like, right. head for the hills, lady. <laughs> you're done for. You retire already, would you? Um, so, so she tells Jack, Jack's 23 at this point he's got a, a, a wife they have a baby he's like made good and made a family and works for his mother like he's clearly trying to fucking play ball make her want him still you know yeah. and she's like oh by the way the holiday's coming up even though you have a new baby i'm gonna go instead go to alaska and visit your older sister oh my god i hate her <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so the people close to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. Oh, for sure. And they sure. do. And why do we let them? Because you just—that's life. That's like a—it's a series of insults and injuries. Yeah, and you trying to fix yourself so that you fit into what they are want from you, even though they have no fucking clue what they want from you because no. they're broken too. And then you realize you fix yourself for yourself, and you drive through a fucking police roadblock. <laughs> 
She's like, this is my movie. This the is my movie. time in your life you have fun. <coughs> That's right. You're drinking fucking shitty bathtub gin. Yes. You're having the best life. You're just going for it. Yeah. And then in Texas, of all places, which had to be fun. Yes. Go watch everyone. Go watch Paper Moon. I bet that's what his life was like. That movie is so amazing. Or Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah, <laughs> they weren't bootlegging in that movie. Were they? they could have been. There was that one <laughs> season where the brothers stole copper wiring. There was that Shit. one season where they had uh, <clears throat> what's it called? Pot. Prohibition. <laughs> what? What did she say? I just said pot. Oh, <laughs> they took some pot. They took pot. That that that. Okay, and that. I wrote, and that, as they say, was the final final fucking straw for him. Yeah. And I was like, or maybe it was the pony years and years ago that was the oh. final straw, and he just, like, hadn't planned it yet. The, t- it, the straw went in, and then it was, it just waited. It was mm-hmm. benign until it became malignant. Yeah, it just got heavier over the years. Okay, November 1st, 1955. Jack's like, okay, you want to go to Alaska? Great, let me take you to the airport. Oh. I'll take you to the airport to go to Alaska. Um, it's so loaded because I just was like, it's literally loaded. It. Oh, all right. I'm going to let you go. What were you going to say? Well, I just, just going to the airport by itself. Like the morning we were leaving for our trip, you were like, come to my house. If you want to ride with us, come to my house. We're leaving at seven 30. Da, da, da. And then I was just like, I am so stressed. And now I'm adding another thing to be that stressed. They're about. waiting for me. Yes. And I'm going to screw this There's up. There's no way I'm going to be on time. No, I think it's better that you, I, I, not that you would have done anything wrong. You were there at the exact same but time as us. It's that thing of we were, which I think we did very well with the anxiety of travel. Oh my God. We did. We had such a good friendship trip. It was so fun. It was so good. We had the best time. Steven, thank you for being a kitten in the, in the group of like, just Steven's here. Steven's there. You can't get mad when Steven's here. But there. it's like, yeah, we're, I think we're both aware, but also it's that thing of like, just travel anxiety, not knowing things, walking up. You never know what the fuck you're doing or where you're supposed to be Which walking Which is great toward. that we have Vince who could not let, who could not be in charge, not be in charge if he tried. Yes. And so. It's the best. Yeah. He would never, if it was up to one of us, he would lose his fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He would lose his mind. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Between Vince and then our Australian tour manager, Nick, who was a genius. We love you. You're never going to listen to this podcast. He's He's too punk rock. He doesn't He was so punk rock. Yeah. He was the best. He's the best. I want him to always travel with us okay so sorry i'm just i'm setting the table of i now have tra- travel anxiety just hearing travel this. anxiety sucks can you okay um, picture this you're everyone's a little scared of flying you're anxious at the airport traveling is new it's 1955 like oh passenger traveling's pretty new and sitting at the in the airport before you get on your plane is a fucking like cigarette machine that instead of cigarettes sells life insurance what for before <laughs> you get on the plane no swear to to fucking god this was a thing until the 80s oh my god so you go in there and in this case jack puts in a dollar 50 and gets out a life insurance policy for his mother who's about to fly to alaska for oh. thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars which at that time is if this time it would be almost three hundred fifty thousand dollars and it's just like good luck on your like everyone just bought some and it was like hope yeah. you don't die it's so perfect like 
it's so perfect if he has any bad intentions he didn't fucking put that machine there no like, he's just using it like everyone everybody does else it that day. everyone's like it's a <sighs> thing of like oh better do it for good luck though you know what i mean like of yes. course when i don't do it it's gonna it's like having your numbers on roulette where it's like you always do 13 yeah but like this one time it's like well what if 13 comes up so I just always put it on 13 same with renting a car yeah it's gonna oh. be the time you don't get rental insurance exactly that you're get I, into. I did the I did that where it was like why did you bring up rental insurance dude because <laughs> now I have to get it yep all right okay Right. So okay. I think they did away with that on purpose because it's terrifying to everyone. That's terrifying. It also it opens the door to people who should not be able to just buy life insurance policies hither and yawn. But also <laughs> don't <laughs> hither and yawn. <laughs> that was I got to stop on that. I've never heard that, but I know what you meant. It didn't really apply to what I was saying, but well, hither and thither. It's like here and there. But no, I know. But. I want to now see all those machines that they made in the 50s <gasps> when they were like making like life is going to be easier because we have these machines. I had like, like a photo, like a, a drawing of like a happy family on their way to the walk into the, you know, because you'd walk on the tarmac. Walk yeah. into the, oh, yeah. God, I bet we could find it. I bet we could find one in like American Pickers. You know that show? <laughs> An I bet they found machine? one. Yeah. I bet they have. <gasps> they must have kept them. And I bet so there's weird. some that have like it's some mechanic airplane mechanic who they were closing down that and they he took it home because he didn't because yeah. he's a hoarder and it still has the papers you would get oh could you imagine yes i need that for the podcast loft it's such a good idea yeah you need to put that up there <laughs> can someone please bring us that <laughs> actually we yeah okay it's just around the same time as auto mats which That's are the that. most hilarious they're when cafeterias they pretended <gasps> to be automated yes. but it was just people putting dishes into those you like things. press it's like pressing d7 and it's like a hand coming out and handing you the like <laughs> the creamed the corn or whatever just the fuck. there yeah so you just have a bunch of plates like one of my one of my time travel like plans is i would go to an automat because i love cafeterias more than anything yeah a thousand percent yeah i would okay. do when the we, exact same thing when we time travel and then okay. we're gonna go shopping at fucking may company oh okay okay when they run the things like you know that they used to run the money along wires <gasps> above yeah. they would drop it down yeah. so be like anyway okay but i want is... dresses yes you can go do that while i go look <laughs> at the dresses and girdles go ahead okay great um ba -ba 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 -ba. okay well here's where it gets crazy Da, da, da. Okay, sh before... Okay, here's what happened. Wait, let's go back to before... Wait, no. Jack says to Daisy that he left a surprise Christmas gift in her suitcase. Uh -oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it wasn't a puppy. Okay. I wrote that, so it was kind of corny. Mm -hmm. Instead, in Daisy's large tan Samsonite suitcase... So, alongside the photo album of Jack and Gloria's wedding that Daisy was going to show to her daughter in Alaska, he had placed a neat bundle of explosives. Oh, shit. Um, less than an hour after the flight took off, the United Airlines flight became the first confirmed sabotage of a commercial aircraft in the United States when it exploded midair. Oh, fuck. Have you not seen this crime to remember? No. Oh, my God. Uh, it crashed into farmland and sugar beet fields near Longmont, Colorado, and Daisy and the 43 other passengers and crew all died. Oh, God. Uh, the youngest passenger was 13-month-old James Fitzpatrick II. The eldest was 81-year-old Layla McLean. Five children lost both their parents in the crash. <gasps> Pregnant 22-year-old Carol um, Bynum and her husband both died. 
It was the worst mass murder in U.S. history at the time and remains the worst in Colorado and was one of the largest investigations in the FBI history. Oh, my God. I know. The FBI obtained... So, can I... Really quickly, I just want to say also, and I know it's fucking sidebar nation over here, but um, <laughs> I just finished... What's weird about this, that I was planning on doing this, and then I didn't realize until today when I finished this audiobook I've been listening to, that is so fucking good, but it's about a plane crash that sabotage that goes the whole story you don't find out what happened until the very end and in my car at like two o'clock today i found out and i almost had a pullover because i was crying wow it was so good was it a true story no no a no novel, it's yeah. yeah it's a novel it's called before the fall by noah holly h-a-w-l-e-y oh spoiler alert what did i say the you said what the ending was what did i say you said that it was the explosion oh no it's not an explosion though it's just a it's just a plane crash Oh, okay. That's not. The no, no, no. So the explosion isn't part of it. It's a plane crash that, that they have to then. So I'm about to talk about how they figured out what had happened on the, in the plane crash by putting it in the hangar. So this same kind of thing happened while well, they had a piece together to figure out what happened in the plane crash. It, and they it. do it by interviews and, and going back to the day of the crash and who did what and what happened. And all the characters are really good. It's not an explosion. Okay. Okay. That's a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what you were. I, I was like, what are, I don't know what I, I just said the name of the book. <laughs> it's called Before the Fall. Um, and uh, the audiobook is great. The reader is really good. I, you know, it's hard to find that. That name sounds familiar, Noah Hawley. I bet he did something really cool. I feel like it's the guy that... I, I could be wrong, but that might be the guy that does... That does... Um, uh, 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 Fargo now. Yes! Really? Yes! Okay, coming back. Karen just fucking... Oh my God. Karen, your so memory proud. is bananas. Is it though? <laughs> your memory in, in of certain ways right. it is. So um, Noah Holly. Is it Holly? It's H. Yeah. Holly H A W L E Y. But he's uh, not, he does a lot of things, but he is the reason that Fuck. fucking Fargo series is so magical because it's being written. It's a novelist writing a TV show. That's so it's like, ama- I had pictures. No yeah. Well, yeah. now I'm even more proud of myself for finding this fucking book. <laughs> nice one he's he's got other ones here so oh i'm gonna download all of them yeah great audiobook which sometimes i'll be like don't get the audiobook read the book it's better but this was a great audiobook and it's just weird that i'm doing this story at the same time as this because i literally i don't cry at books and movies and i've almost had to pull over because i was just like so taken aback by awesome i love a good author like someone that really does it right i'm so happy that we that we put that that you put that together Okay. But, 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 but. So the FBI obtained use of a nearby barn. They reassembled the fragments of the airplane collected from the site and they were able to determine that ex- that the explosives were used, which is so incredible to me that a flight, a plane can blow up and crash and they can still put it together and figure out what happened. They put it together like a huge puzzle. It's incredible it's to me. It's crazy. I, those people must be so smart. Uh, they went yeah um i'm not gonna say it <laughs> i'm done with that i'm done with boulder and that then and then they and they determined that it which piece of luggage it had come from oh fuck yeah like the, it went off in that piece of luggage and they figured out what piece of luggage it came from um and they figured out it was daisy's tan samsonite all right 
they so they started looking into her family and looked into Jack when they found out about his criminal past with the bootlegging shit. They also determined that Daisy's restaurant had been damaged by, quote, a suspicious explosion as well. Mm-hmm. And that Jack had received an, the insurance settlements, which is like, dude, change your M.O. a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't keep exploding things. Yeah. Locals also suspected Jack of deliberate causing his new pickup truck to be stuck by a, to be stuck struck by a train that year for insurance money. So this guy was like after insurance money and into explosions. Um, they also found that when she died, a large part of Daisy's estate would go to Jack. So oh. insurance money again. Yeah. After a few days of questioning, Jack said, "Okay, where do you want me to start?" And then in great detail, he described building and planting the bomb that killed his mother and 43 others on flight 629. It was constructed of 25 sticks of dynamite, a six volt battery, two electric primer caps in case one of them failed and a timer set to detonate in about 90 minutes after he planted it or turned it on working in an electronic shop for just two weeks. He had given Jack all the expertise he needed to build the bomb. So this guy must have been fucking smart. Yeah. I then, he said, I then took the, I then took the sack of dynamite with the battery and timer attached and placed it in my mother's large suitcase. Based on all that evidence found at Jack's house, he was arrested, charged with sabotage, and later that was changed to murder. After the arrest, arrest, um, the, some some newspaper people, radio station people were able to sneak re- cameras and recording into the jail and. Jack told them, I loved my mother very much. She meant a lot to me. It's very hard for me to tell exactly how I feel. She left so much of herself behind, which I'm like, no, she fucking didn't, dude. I mean, uh, is that insensitive? It's insane of him to say. Yeah. It's super bizarre. I think he must have not had our emotions, our feelings that we have. I don't want to call him a sociopath because people are like, that's not really... Well, it may or may not apply, but he's definitely in, was insanely like damaged and abused as a child. Yeah. I mean, that the emotional that, attachments you have are were broken. Yeah. At some point, his mother repeatedly rejected him. That's yeah. like there's some serial killers that that it only happens once. And they yeah. and it still doesn't mean she, he didn't love her. It could mean that he loved her more yes. in a really in a way that we don't feel love. But that feels like love to someone else. Well, it's all he knew. Yeah, it's I mean. He lived in an orphanage. He had that thing of like, you if you don't have emotional attachments to not just your parents, but to like a caregiver as a young child, you can't have those to anyone. Or right. it's really hard to change that. That's right. It's, it's sad. Yeah. But he's also a murderer and murdered a bunch of innocent people. I mean, I the, I, the plan of that, the coldness of the plan of revenge on his mom but then just like total devastation on all these other people so many families it's so it's so evil yeah um when asked why he had signed the confession and confessed he said that the fbi threatened to point out um inconsistencies and statements made by his wife gloria but he wanted to keep her out of it he just like didn't want her to have anything to do with it so he was like i'm gonna confess so she doesn't you know, maybe she was lying for him. Maybe she was covering for him. Um, he also told prison doctors that he realized, he said, he realized that there were about 50 or 60 people carried on the plane, but 
and but the number of people to be killed made no difference to me it could have been a thousand when their times come when their time comes there's nothing they can do about it it's almost like he's god yeah and their time had come Clearly. when really he had just decided yeah yeah he's own. pretending that that was he was some kind of like the arbiter of fate or something right. or just like no dude you've just yeah the trial um resulted in colorado becoming the first state to officially sanction the use of television cameras to broadcast criminal trials no federal statute at the time on the books that made it a crime to blow up an airplane because it was so fucking new um and that led directly to federal laws criminalizing airline sabotage and the formation of the federal aviation administration at the time though on the day of jack's confession um they wanted to quickly prosecute Jack. The simplest possible way was premeditated murder of a single victim, his mother. So none of the other victims, they couldn't, they didn't try him for those. Despite the number of victims, uh, he's charged with only one count of first degree murder. He recanted his confession. Um, but because of all the evidence, he was found guilty, attempted suicide. And on May 5th, 1956, he was uh, convicted of the death of the murder, sentenced to death, executed um, in the gas chamber in January of 1957. And before his execution, he said about the bombing, as far as feeling remorse for these people, I don't. I can't help it. Everybody pays the, their way and takes their chances. That's just the way it goes. And about his mother's murder, he said, I wanted her. Go I watched her go off for the last time when she was getting on the plane. I felt happier than I'd ever felt before in my life. <laughs> Dude. And that's fucking our friend Jack Gilbert Graham at Flight 629. I like in those kind of quotes where you can really you, it really almost surmises the insanity of the person yeah. where it's like you are totally come up, cut off from empathy. You don't give a fuck about anybody, but your revenge, not even in a way of like, you're about to die. It doesn't matter. Apologize to the families, even if you don't fucking mean it. Like you can't even give them some kind of no, because he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't have a connection to care about yeah. those families. It's, a way it's impossible for us to understand. Well, and also it's, but the thing I think it's interesting is like family is the source of his insanity or his, his damage. So he doesn't care about those families because yeah. he never had a family. He's like, right. go fuck your, he's probably more mad that they had families. He's probably thinking that they feel the same way about their families as he does about his because yeah. he doesn't know what it's like to feel any feelings about your family yeah only him. just negative or shitty or like yeah shit man crazy. oh and go look him up go look at his photo he, look, <laughs> he looks like if our friend matt Bron matt bronger um was playing a yokel with a, <laughs> with a widow's peak oh like grease back hair yeah our friend comedian matt bronger playing a role as a yokel nice yeah well that was good thank you thank you it's fun to base them on TV shows. Yeah, you're a lot fucking of very, right. Very hard work gets done for you. Yeah, and it's just a retail, dude. That's they all set I'm it doing. up so nice. I do the opposite stupid thing where I'm like, I'm gonna do this hard one, and then it's like it's so hard that nobody's ever made a documentary about it except for some <laughs> fucking person who has like. There's so. Have you looked on YouTube for your murder? And there's just these people, and I don't want to insult other people, but I am. Uh, they make these like story. They tell the story on video with pictures and things like that but it's a computer voice yeah 
And then the murder went. It's so weird. Well, I feel like it might be a lot of there's like students. It feels to me like students that have to do a presentation for a class yeah. or something because there's oftentimes the wording is very odd, but it's almost like people are trying to sound news person. Yeah. Um, but it's the it's at that <laughs> point it's the um, it's the automated the program, voice, yeah. which I'm like. Just ha- be any human can read a Wikipedia page. It doesn't matter. Someone's going to like your voice. Just read it. Maybe they have a weird high voice. Maybe. Or a strangely low voice. Well, maybe. I mean, I have a fucking lisp and a, and a what's it called? Auto tune? No. What's it called when you dr- when you have like the thing where you don't even. Oh, you're from California. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lisp and an auto tune. <laughs> Never had a problem with either One of those. One of my voice this entire time was auto tune. Uh, it would be tough. It would be rough. That would be one. tough to keep it natural. It would. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my god, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient. Made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com Goodbye Okay, yay, now I gotta be told a story I love going first because then I gotta sit back I know, and right? fucking be told a story You just get to relax I I went I don't know what I was doing <laughs> Here's what I actually did Okay <laughs> Let me hear your process Would you want to go behind the scenes? I do And just go behind the music for a second? I do Welcome um, Pop up video time. I wanted to do a supernatural murder. Ooh. But that's like a made up thing. It is. Essentially. Yeah. But that's what I wanted. I just wanted to be a little bit oh, off okay. the planet, a little bit. Sure. And so I eventually found the story of a man named Carl Pruitt, who found, and this was like in the 30s, he found his wife in bed with a ma- another man. He strangles her with a rusty chain. <gasps> then he commits suicide. <gasps> the family has him buried far away. I wrote this whole fucking thing up until I, I found. Um, Buried far away. Uh, and then a, a kid, people start noticing that there are rings appearing on his gravestone. Rings? Rings. And concentric rings that oh, are linked. Like a chain. Basically like a chain. So uh, a, a bunch of kids are playing in the cemetery and they the, a boy throws a rock at the headstone. Great place to play, by the way. Yeah, that's where the good times are. <laughs> he throws a rock at the headstone, chips it. They all go to ride their bikes home. He falls off his bike, and the bike chain wraps around his <gasps> neck and strangles him to death. All right. So when the this mother, is, this is season two of Stranger Things. <laughs> 
the mother finds out and hears all the town gossip of it was because he was he desecrated the headstone of the killer Good old of, the cha- of the chain killer and so she goes down with an axe to <gasps> take the headstone apart the next day she's found hanging in her own clothesline oh my goodness so then it basically goes on and on i'm like this is the best yeah. this is going to be amazing i get to the end of the article and the person who wrote the article begins to deconstruct ghost stories in america and how how this is fake like carl pruitt never existed right. this person never existed you can't find any of these people sure. in any public record and then i had to start over <laughs> i was really mad because it was so perfect yeah. and yet it was such a creepy pasta yeah. like oh and then the then these people every single thing Can was someone strangled it? with the chain yeah. if they tried to touch the headstone jesus i don't know how i don't know how you can find a murder that gets you out of the murder world well no you can't i'm yeah. just i don't even know what i'm doing so then i went all the way in and i'm doing son of sam Oh, <laughs> that was not the direction I thought was going to happen. I just fucking turn that car around. But you know why I'm okay? You know why I understand? It's because he doesn't mutilate anyone. That's right. Where it's almost like he, listen, murder is murder and it's fucking horrible and awful. And Son of Sam is a monster. But when you don't have to talk about someone, when you, it's for us, I don't mean like there's certain murders, but when we don't have to talk about women getting their boobs cut off yes and being raped and and savage which i'm doing right now it's almost like a relief it is because it still qualifies and he's very famous and everybody knows who he is but he did he was on a murder spree in the 70s (laughs) that was so strangely distant and Mm -hmm. odd disconnected just totally disconnected and yet very specific he was like i don't know if a lot of people know this i certainly didn't before i started reading about it he he sh- only shot women with long dark hair. No, I didn't know that. I didn't either. He's a total fucking Ted Bundy in that style. So it's just interesting. Like it's it's a it's definitely a thing where you can dip in, but you don't have to go into. There's far. not even a stab, which which is there. Let me stop you. Okay. Let, you know what? Why don't you do your murder and I'll stop deconstructing <clears throat> because it. that's what's interesting. So. He also was the product of an illicit affair. Um and his mother gave him away uh, right after he was born to um, a couple named Pearl and Nathan Berkowitz, who lived in the Bronx. And he was a troubled youth. Neighbors say he was a bully. He was um, he was an asshole. He was really spoiled. He was really difficult. Um, and uh, he, from an early age, began engaging in petty larceny and arson. Um Arson. Arson. Our friend. Um, so there's no, I couldn't find anything. I actually looked it up specifically of like, did something happen to him that he never talked about? Yeah. Um, but his mother died of breast cancer when he was 14. That's it, man. That's gotta be a huge shock. Um, then his father remarries. He doesn't like his new stepmother. Um, so in 1971, when he's 18, he joins the army and he serves for four years. He's given an honorary discharge in 1974. And while he's serving in the army, he has his first and only sexual encounter with a sex worker. Huh. Um, the result of that encounter gave him a venereal disease. Oh, shit. And, the, um, psychiatrists or whoever say that after that whoever word on the street um (laughs) was that because of that um experience specific experience 
he became enraged with women. Um, Which we know can't be true. Like, you had that boiling down somewhere ready to burst. It's not like, oh, I'm oh. great with women. And then you're like, oh, shit, crabs. No, exactly right. Well, yeah, and it's probably not crabs. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shit, crabs. <laughs> I hate women. It's already a problem. He's one of those people that, yeah, if you're a bully that that's, right. doesn't get along and is an asshole to everybody, you're not also a lady killer. That's right. probably not happening. Right. Um, I just love that they can blame it on this one. Like, they're, they're blaming it on the woman. Right. You know what I mean? Course. Which is just like... Of course. It's not um, Also, when he gets out of the army, he looks up his birth mother, and his birth mother explains how she gave him away because he was illegitimate. A forensic anthropologist, Elliot Layton, described this as the primary crisis of his life, mm. finding out that he was an illegitimate child that his father didn't want him, um, shattered his sense of identity. On top of that, the old VD... No crabs. The, he started a spate of arson fires <gasps> um, in the early 70s. Um, that he actually, well, well, we can talk about this later, but okay. that was his, his first crime was arson and he would go and light these fires all over the Bronx and, um, uh, and the surrounding area. If only I knew what that, what cities that involved. Manhattan. Uh, let's call it. <laughs> no, he kept it over in like, oh. in his, in the Bronx area. Bur- and boroughs, other boroughs. Other boroughs. And which then would other be boroughs. Brooklyn. Let's say Brooklyn. There's Queens. There's Queens and Queens comes up quite a bit in this. Did story. he go to Long Island? I don't know. I doubt he would make that drive. Okay. okay. He did become a mailman. Um, so Christmas of 1975, he stabs two women with a hunting knife oh. on the streets of New York City. Jesus. But they fight back. This is Christmas Eve night. They fight back and he flee, he flees the scene. They're not killed. Wow. That's his first attempt. And that's when he switches over to a 44 caliber bulldog snub nose shotgun. <laughs> no, or none of it. Handgun. A gun. It's a 44 caliber gun that he uses for the rest of his time. So July 29th, 1976, this is in Pelham Bay, the Bronx, 1.10 a.m. And Donna Loria, who's 18, and Jody Valenti, who's 19, are sitting in Jody Valenti's car outside um, Donna Loria's apartment. And they're talking about the night they just spent at Peachtrees, which was the local disco. Oh, Peachtrees. Oh, this is if you see the movie Son yeah. of Sam, the Spike Lee movie. Um, starring John Leguizamo. It's actually really hilarious and great because disco exploded like in this period of time. And so, it, you know, around New York City, people were just at discos every night. Yeah. And that lifestyle was like a big it's deal. Just like a, it's just clubbing. Yes, But exactly. with disco music. It's clubbing with polyester. Oh, man. Um, I'm so glad. I, I hope when we go back in time, we don't end up there. I mean... I can feather my hair, so I feel okay about it. <laughs> You'd probably it. be a good, a good disco queen. I might be good, but I don't want, I, I don't want to show my arms. And that's a, that's a bit going to be a big problem at the disco. I hate disco music and cocaine. You so d- I feel oh. like I'd just be like in the, sitting in the corner being like, can we go? We're such opposites. I know. Can we go to a <laughs> dive bar, please? <laughs> okay. So they were at Peachtree's. They're sitting in the car talking about it. Jody opens the car door to get out to walk up to her house and sees a man walking really fast toward the car. Um, That's so scary, that image. It's so scary. A man walking fast towards you is like, just punch. 
At one in the morning. At one in the morning. Right outside your house. Punch. He pulls a forty-four caliber handgun out of a paper bag, nails down, and fires five times into the car. Donna Loria was hit in the neck and killed instantly. Jody Valenti was um, hit in the thigh. And then she leaned on the horn and the attacker turned and walked quickly <gasps> away, which is also creepy. Yeah, that you don't run. Because yeah. you know not to run because yeah. that's suspicious. Yeah. You just walk quickly away like business, your business is done here. Fuck. Okay, so Jody just Describes him as a white male in his 30s with a fair complexion, about 5'9", weighing 160 pounds, short, dark, curly hair in the, quote, mod style. Good for her for knowing all that, like, remembering all these details. <clears throat> so, um, also, Loria's father also saw him and told the police a similar looking man was sitting in a yellow compact car. Wow. All night, he had been <clears throat> cruising the area um, bef- hours before the shooting. Wow. And it's several neighbors actually saw a man in a yellow car cruising the area. So, um, about three months later, Carl De Niro, who was 20, and Rosemary Keenan, the old Italian-Irish combination, mm. fire, um, 18, they were talking outside Keenan's house when, according to Keenan, it felt like the car exploded. Mm. So, uh, what had happened was that car was fired on five times. <gasps> um, De Niro, uh, Carl De Niro, who was in the driver's seat, Puts it into drive and speeds away. Fuck yeah. And only um, later do they realize he's been shot in the head. Oh my God. He ended up getting, he survived. Holy shit. He ended up having to get a plate in his head to, to um, replace the skull, the part of his skull that was blown wow. away. Um, they, the police did not attack, did not link this attack to the Loria Valenti attack because they were in two different precincts. Okay. So they were just separate shootings. Weird, right? crazy yeah um but i mean this was new york in the late 70s yeah. so there was tons of crime yeah that's true um but rosemary keenan's father was a new york city um i, I can't remember if it's a detective or a police officer mm-hmm. but basically once the daughter of one of their own they they yeah. turned up um the intensity on this specific investigation and she didn't die she didn't die it, neither of them died okay, okay but they could they didn't have that much right. um evidence there wasn't a lot a lot to go on right so a month later donna damasi and joanne lamino had just walked home from a movie theater and they were talking on joanne's front porch and they see a man in army fatigues Mm-mm. approaching them well i guess it's like vietnam so it's not that weird i mean not really but Here's what's weird, what and this is the part I hate. Okay. He's uh, asking for directions in a high-pitched <gasps> voice. He Before he finishes... So he starts asking the question. Before he finishes the sentence, he pulls out the gun and shoots both of them. <gasps> um, Donna was shot in the neck, but recovered. Joanne's hit in the spine, and she was paralyzed. Oh. Um, a neighbor cl- claims to have seen a blonde man running away from the scene, clutching a gun. Mm-mm. Okay, so January 30th, 1977, this is at the um, Forest Hills Long Island Railroad Station in Queens mm-hmm. at 2.40 in the morning. Christina Frund and her fiancé, John Deal, had just seen Rocky, and they were about to go to a disco. Oh. It's at a dance hall in Wikipedia, but I would assume that means a disco. Yeah. Um, and as they're sitting in the car, three gunshots. Mm. There, someone shoots into the car three times. In a panic, Deal drives away. He suffered minor superficial injuries, but Christina Frond was shot 
uh, friend was shot twice and died several hours later in the hospital. Mm. Neither of them saw their attacker. Um, So now the police make their first public acknowledgement that the Frond deal shooting uh, was similar to the other incidents and all of the crimes could be associated Um, because all of the victims had been struck with 44 caliber bullets. The shooting seemed to target young women with long black hair and they the police announced that they were looking for um, multiple suspects. Can you Um, imagine like if let's say that happened right now in L.A. if that was going on? I wouldn't want to leave the house. Do you know that actually it wasn't here, but it was a little while later after a couple more of these murders when they when this the that fact of that it was um, women with long, dark hair. There was a rush on women getting their hair cut really short like Dorothy Hamill and dyed lighter. And that's why that trend I mean, like that's in New York City, all women got their hair cut and dyed. And they said that there was a shortage of wigs at beauty (gasps) supply stores because everyone was just going batshit. Like in one day, once they made that announcement, everyone got their hair cut. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, Okay, so March 8th, Columbia College, still 1977, at 7.30 in the evening, um, Virginia Volkscherichian. Um, walks home from her classes at Columbia. A man walks toward her, and when he gets close, he pulls out a gun and fires into her face. <gasps> she put up her books to protect herself, but she was killed instantly. Um, and moments later, a neighbor, uh, one of her neighbors rounds the corner. He hears the gunshots, and then he nearly collides with the person who des- he described as a short, husky boy, aged 16 to 18, hmm. clean-shaven, wearing a sweater and a watch cap, sprinting away from the scene. <clears throat> um, uh, and other neighbors um, matching that same description uh, reported a teenager loitering in the area for about an hour before the shooting. Huh. Um, in the following days, the media report police claims that this quote chubby teenager was the suspect. There are no direct witnesses to her murder. Um, and she lived about a block away from where Christine Freund and her fiance, John Deal were shot. Um, March 10th, 1977, NYPD holds a press conference stating that the weapon used in Virginia Volkshire Cherians Vosker Richians, I think is Vosker Richians murder is also a 44 bulldog. Um, the same weapon used in all the other shootings. Um, and of course, this whole story, the New York Daily News and the Post go crazy on the on the yeah. daily. It's just constant, constant Front page. Fucking, and, what's it called? Fear mongering. Well, he should be afraid, but I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, they were finally like justified. It yeah. also went international. They wow. were naming, there's, they name in the Wikipedia article, like all the, um, you know, the Vatican had an article about yeah. it in the Vatican newspaper or whatever. Jesus. Um, so April 17th, this is a, a month later, basically in the Bronx. Um, it's 3 a.m. and Valentina uh, Suriani, who's 18, and Alexander Esau, who's 20, are sitting in her, Valentina's car kissing, and each one is shot twice. Mm. Suriani died instantly. Esau died a few a few hours later in the mm. hospital, and it's a, again, it's a 44, and they were only parked a few blocks away from the Loria Valenti shooting. Um, so then, at the crime scene, they find a handwritten letter, and. Um, it's from the killer and it's addressed to police captain Joseph Borelli. Um, 
And this is where the son, name Son of Sam comes from, is oh, this letter. Okay. Um, so basically it reads, I'll do, I'm just going to do pieces because it's really long. It starts out, I am deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the Son of Sam. <laughs> I am a little brat. When father, when father Sam gets drunk, he, he, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill, commands father Sam. Behind our house, some rest. I don't know this at all. It's just fucking crazy nonsense. Blather. Yeah. But it, it ends like this. I want to make love to the world. I love people. I don't belong on earth. Return me to yahoos. Fuck? <laughs> to the people of Queens, I love you. And I want to wish all of you a happy Easter. What the shit? May God bless you in this life and in the next. And for now, I say goodbye and good night. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interrupted to be interpreted as bang, 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 bank, bang. Ugh. Yours in murder, Mr. Monster. So I am, that is, I can't even. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, I bet that was like even scarier to them that were like, oh, we're not, this isn't a calculated person. This is a fucking lunatic. How are we going to track down a lunatic? Cause you can't use logic. That's right. Um, also, yeah, that that wasn't mailed or anything. It was left yeah. at the murder scene. So it's somebody that kills people and then drops something intentionally. Totally. All like, of it is. Tease them. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so several psychiatrists are consulted and there's a psychological profile drawn up based on this letter. And he's described as neurotic, probably suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, who believes himself to be the victim of demonic possession. Mm -hmm. So May 30th, 1977. Uh, so at that time, da the Daily News had a columnist, a very famous man named Jimmy Breslin, who was like, Super famous in New York. A lot of people out, not that many people outside know him, but he was like, he was like one of those like tough, you know, reporters of New York that mm -hmm. I was, you know, hard boiled. He was, I would call him hard boiled. Yeah. Okay. I want someone to call me hard boiled one day. <laughs> they will. They will. Um, so the son of Sam sends Jimmy Breslin a letter. Oh shit. And, uh, on the back of the envelope, he wrote the phrases blood and family, darkness and death absolute depravity and just 44 mm. with a dot in front mm -hmm. of it. So like 44 caliber. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just read you how it starts. Cause it, it's, it's just more blather, but it starts hello from the gutter gutters of NYC, which are filled with dog manure, vomit, stale wine, urine, and blood. I mean, is he wrong? Yeah. I know he's fucking dead on. It's summertime. So <laughs> yeah. he's oh. probably very frustrated. Right. Hello from the sewers of NYC, which swallow up these delicacies when they are washed away Jesus. by the sweeper trucks. Hello from the cracks in the sidewalks of NYC and from all the ants that dwell in these cracks wow. and feed in the dried blood of the dead that is settled, settled into these cracks. This is poetry. Uh, is it? <laughs> JB, I'm just dropping you a line to let you know that I appreciate your interest in those recent and horrendous 44 caliber killings. I also want to tell you that I read your column daily and I find it quite informative. Tell me, Jim, what will you have for July 29th? <gasps> mm hmm. Oh, so, see, this one, he seems smart. Right. Almost as if he might be putting on an ass sure. of some kind. Oops. Um, okay. 
So the Daily News publishes this letter a week after they get it with uh, the an, a column from Jimmy Breslin urging the killer to surrender himself. And this article made that day's paper the highest selling edition of the Daily News ever. They sold more than 1.1 million copies. Wow. Um, uh, oh, and it's after that that, that with Jimmy Breslin's column, this is when all the women get their hair cut. Which oh, I just—that's yeah. in the movie too. Yeah, and it's hilarious. I saw it when it came out, but I don't remember it. Much. It's but yeah, it's a good movie. I liked it. I just remember that from Ted Bundy too. Like, did a bunch of girls. Yes, who had the same haircut? Hell yes, changed that fucking shit out you of like, it. Hey, highlights, everybody. Yeah, how about a high high lit bob? Yeah, um, right. I also love Son of uh, Summer of Sam the movie because it's mu- it's almost entirely focused on disco. Yeah, the murders almost seem like an afterthought. The murders almost seem like they're powering disco. The- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like disco is a response to the murders. That's right. Or disco is because the murders are creating disco. Listen, John Leguizamo is a, just a dream. Listen. Look. Did you did you want to finish that? Look. Okay. Look. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant answer. No, that's it. <laughs> I interrupted you to then say nothing. Okay, so now we're in June, June 26, 1977. This is in Bayside, Queens. Um so yeah, it's like for people I I am from California. So when we talk about all these different parts of yeah. the, all these different boroughs in New York, Queens is a borough. Bayside is a part of Queens. Okay. Right? Right. I mean, I'm neighborhood. The Bronx is a borough. And then the part of the Bronx that I was talking about, Forest, yeah. the Forest it's, Hills, Long Island Railroad. It's like the Upper East Side is part of Manhattan, yeah. but it's its own neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Manhattan's a borough. And then the Upper East Side right. is part of that borough. Williamsburg is a, like, let's go on for I an mean, hour and just name saying. neighborhoods. I'm going to say the wrong thing for sure here. And all I can picture are the people I know who live in New York being very mad at me. Well, do they think they're better than us? Also, maybe I'm doing it for attention. Maybe I want you to be yeah. mad at me. Yeah. Maybe I like it. <laughs> all right. Ju- the morning of June 26, 1977, it's 3 a.m. Ju- Judy Placido and Sal Lupo, which that I think Sal Lupo might have been the main character in Summer of Sam. Oh, it just sounds familiar. to okay. me. OK, but uh, I could be making it up. No, I trust you on name recognition. <laughs> this is where that all falls apart. Yeah. Um, OK, they've just left the Elephas disco and they're sitting in the car and the car's hit by three got gu- um, three gun gunshot blasts um so judy uh, sal lupo is wounded in the right forearm judy placido is shot in the right temple in the shoulder and in the back of the neck Mm. they both survive Mm. which is incredible these people who are surviving these mortal up close gun blasts yeah it's bananas it's crazy so um, Sal Lupo tells the police they had just been discussing the case of Son of Sam right before oh my God. the gunshots hit. Okay, so about a month later, it's July 31st, 1977, Stacy Moskowitz, who doesn't know Sk- Stacy Moskowitz? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, the second I read that name, I was like, I went to junior high with her. <laughs> so Stacy and her boyfriend, Bobby Violante, are taking a walk in the park late at night very brave but they go back to their car when they see a man watching them oh no but then when they get back into the car they were so into each other that they start making out so they don't leave right away they're kissing in the car when they're hit by bullets Mm. stacy moskowitz was shot once in the head bobby violante had been shot twice in the face 
Stacy was killed while Bobby Violante would survive, but he lost most of his vision, but he survived Jesus. from being shot in the head. So these people in the fucking boroughs have some survivability. For real. I mean, it's the New York City, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is the shooting that brings out the most witnesses of any of the other Son of Sam um, murders. Mm -hmm. There was actually a direct eyewitness. So during the shooting, 19-year-old Tommy Zeno was parked three cars down uh, or three cars in front of Bobby Violante's vehicle. Mm -hmm. And bef moments before the shooting, Zeno caught the peripheral glimpse of the shooter's approach and then happened to glance in his rearview mirror just in time to see the actual shooting. Oh, my God. He clearly saw the perpetrator for several seconds due to a bright streetlight and the full moon mm -hmm. and later described him as being 25 to 30 years old, 5 foot 7 to 5 foot 9 inches with shaggy hair that... Um, was dark blonde or light brown, but he said that the shooter's hair looked like a wig. Oh. So about a minute after the shooting, a woman in her boyfriend's car on the other side of the park saw a white male uh, wearing a light-colored cheap nylon wig sprinting out of the park mm. and get into a small... And he got into a small light-colored car that drove away. And uh, she said he looked just like he just robbed a bank. Um, and she also got part of his license plate for wow. G-U-R or for G-V-R. There were other witnesses, one including a woman who saw a light car speed away from the park 20 seconds after the gunshots. And at least two witnesses who described a yellow Volkswagen driving quickly from the neighborhood with its lights off. Um, one of a uh, neighborhood resident hears the gunshots, hears um, Bobby Violante's calls for help, glances out her apartment window to see a man walking casually away from the crime scene while everyone else was right. running toward the sounds yeah. of the screaming. And oh my god, um, I'm so excited right now! This is like what's so that? tense. Yes, um, and multiple other residents so he, this he was seen by tons of people that night uh, they witnessed a scruffy looking man with dark stringy hair and stubble driving a small yellow car recklessly away from the scene he almost crashed into a car he ran a red light almost crashed into a guy the guy started following him because <gasps> he was so pissed that the guy almost killed him New York. but he oh, he he could only he only followed him so far and then he lost right. him um and then later found that it was son of sam okay so uh, on the same night, local resident Cecilia Davis is walking her dog. This is, this is like the woman that brings it all together, all right. which I love. Cecilia. She's walking her dog, um, at the scene of the Moskowitz Violante shooting. So she sees patrol officer Michael Catano ticket a car, a yellow car by a fire hydrant. And then moments after the, tr that cop left, a young man walks past her and studies her with some interest. And she feels concerned because he's got a dark um, object in his hand. So she she said he was wielding a dark object. Yeah. She doesn't know what it is. She just runs home only to hear shots fired moments later. So she calls the police. She doesn't say anything for four days. And then she calls the police and they start checking every car that got ticketed Gee, that night what in are that the area fucking chances man mm -hmm. and not only did they ticket it but someone saw it happen yep and then knew about the murders and someone saw what she saw happen was a guy that gave her weird vibes totally and then she put all of it together where it's like yeah you got away from the man that was endangering you then you stayed with it yeah. witnessed something and then reported it totally love it love it love it Way to go, Cecilia, Cecilia. Davis. Cecilia. And her dog. 
Marty. Most of the dog. <laughs> Marty. Her oh, dog. you made it. Oh. <laughs> um, I got okay. so excited that that was actually the dog's name. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, wait. She made it up. And I'm like, oh, sorry. It's your dad's name. <laughs> okay. So the next day, police investigate. Um, they go and they check Ber- Ber- Berkowitz's car. It's one of the several that got ticketed that night. And they see it's parked outside his apartment building building at 35 Pine Street in Yonkers. And they see there's a rifle in the backseat. What? Uh-huh. Hide your rifle. Um, yeah, right. So they search the car. They're like, that's probable yeah. cause. They search the car and they find a duffel bag filled with ammunition, maps of the crime scenes, a threatening letter addressed to Inspector Timothy Dowd of the Omega Task Force. Um, so they know they probably have their man. They put so it together. They uh put in a request for a search warrant, but they know it, they, they're they very concerned with going into his apartment yeah. without having it because they don't want to lose right. the case. Right. So they stand out, they wait outside David Berkowitz's apartment until 10 o'clock at night. Um, <clears throat> and when he comes out and gets into his car and he had a paper bag with him and there, mm. that 44 was inside the bag. Oh my God. He gets in the car, sits down, and then Detective John Fell. Fallo Tico approaches the driver's side and puts the gun right against right next to Berkowitz's temple. And then Detective Sergeant William Gardella covers from the passenger side with his gun inside the car. Oh, my God. And David Berkowitz is taken into custody for the son of Sam murders. Um, they say it's reported that he was very calm and very serene, almost seemed happy. Wow. So when they search his apartment the next day, apartment 70, they find the walls are covered in satanic graffiti. <gasps> the whole apartment is a complete mess. There's liquor bottles everywhere. And they also find three stenographers notebooks where um, Berkowitz had meticulously recorded hundreds of arson fires that he had set. Hundreds? Yes. He had been recording it since he was 21. Some sources allege that the number of arson fires he recorded was over 1,400. Yeah. Just, but he recorded or set? Well, he wrote them into these notebooks. Yeah. And they believe that they correspond to real fires that happened around. Oh, my God. The Bronx and Queens and Manhattan. Manhattan. Brooklyn. Don't for, certainly don't forget. Long Island. Is Long Island a borough? I think so. What about Coney Island? I think that's a neighborhood. What, and what about the islands where the Statue of Liberty lives? Oh, you mean uh, <laughs> Liberty Island? Free, freedom Island? <laughs> All right. Now people are legit mad. Angry. Like even they even they know. <laughs> uh, he is questioned for half an hour and then immediately cops to everything and explains to the cops in great detail. Um all of the crimes that he perpetrated and when they ask him why he says his neighbor sam carr's black lab harvey was possessed by an ancient demon and harvey made him do it because he wanted the blood of pretty young girls what yeah so wait okay so that's why he called himself son of sam is the neighbor's name was sam sam carr and sam carr's dog like it was he was but i don't get it so uh, but later, so, you know, I'm, I've been listening to the audiobook of uh, Those Who Fight Monsters, oh, which right. is the guy from, um, the, who basically started the FBI, Vicap, all that. John E. Douglas, I think his name is. Um, but 
he interviewed David Berkowitz wow. years later when they were putting together their um, when they decided they were going to start profiling serial killers so yeah. they could get um, profiles of them, whatever. <laughs> but he basically got David Berkowitz to admit that all of this shit was fake. The the whole thing no. about the dog talking to him and everything he was made completely up story. It was completely made up so that he didn't seem responsible and that he could get off on the insanity plea. And it was purely because he was so angry at women. He had never had success with women. He um he was he, just an angry man. He was very angry. He was very like a spoiled child i think it was that thing he didn't know how to handle he wasn't he it wasn't gonna be his fault and didn't get it yeah and so he just wanted everyone to pay for his loneliness and and lack of popularity which seems like such a narrative of a lot of spree killers that are just like they feel entitled and they're pissed off that everyone else doesn't know yeah, they're, they should be getting everything they want. It makes me think of that boy um, in Santa Barbara. I that was killed, just thinking yeah, of that. All those kids in Santa Barbara. Yeah, it's the exact same thing where everybody else. It's not anything that has to do yeah. with them. They don't take any personal responsibility. It's everybody else, and everyone else has to pay. Right. It's I guess narcissism, and you know, Extreme. a lot of other yeah fucked up shit. Jesus. But, um. Anyway, he he basically. He is tried, found guilty on June 12th, 1978. He's sentenced to six life terms, totaling a maximum of 365 years in prison. He, they send him to Attica in 1987. He becomes a born again Christian. Oh, good luck with that. Uh, and before his first parole hearing in 2002, he sent a letter to the governor of New York. Wait, he lived that. How did I know? He's not- still alive. I'm sorry. He's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah. How did he was, I not know he that? was only in his 30s when he was arrested. But I would have thought that prison. they put him to death or something. No, it's um, he admitted to everything. So they didn't give him the death. Right. Penalty. OK, go on. Jesus Christ. You just blew my mind. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, he sent a letter to George Pataki, who was the governor of New York at the time, asking um, to have his parole hearing canceled. He said, oh. in all honesty, I believe I deserve to be in prison for the rest of my life. I have, with God's help. Um, long ago come to terms with my situation and I've accepted my punishment. Wow. Um, then in 1993, he went into this weird thing where he was claiming to be responsible for, um, satanic cult killings. Um, I think he may have gotten bored. He was trying to say that he didn't, he wasn't the only one responsible for the son of Sam murders, mm-hmm. that there were other people and it was because of this satanic cult and blah, blah, blah. And when that, um, story came out, uh, Jimmy Breslin himself uh, made this statement um, when they talked to David Berkowitz that night, which was like the night he got arrested. He recalled everything step by step mm. by step. The guy has 1000 percent recall and that's it. He's the guy and there's nothing else to look at. For sure. So, wow. Heavy that's your son of a son fucking of a hitter. Heavy hitter, which I always avoid because it's so much research. Me too. And it's so, I know I miss big things and, you know, sorry, Spike Lee. But. I was going to do a heavy hitter this week, actually, or like I was going to I was going to do a heavy hitter this week. Uh, you know, the thing where you're like, should I do this one or should I do that one? I finished this one, but I, maybe I'll do this one. Yes. And then it was just like, no, Georgia, you need more than 16 hours before you decide to do a heavy hitter. I mean, you really do. And, and I think my yeah. Wikipedia recitation proves that. Yeah. No, that was great. People that shoot from a distance. Like yeah. there is something very, 
I mean, obviously we're saying this. It's just so lame. It's just so cowardly and yeah. weak to like stand from a distance and shoot a person and then just be like, I am the son of Sam. It's, it's emotionally like, detached in a way that you don't expect from most serial killers. Right. Who are just like in it for the suffering and seeing the suffering of others. Yeah, he was he wanted to end lives because it was about his failures right. as a man. Right. He could have been a, a mafia hitman. Yeah. If he got fucking painted his apartment and got his shit together. <laughs> it's tough listening to dogs. Yeah. That poor dog was like, dude, I fucking love everyone. Don't bring me into this bitch. All I want are treats. I just want them to bring me inside every once in a while. That's yeah. not barking. Why am I in the back? Give me a scratch behind the ear. Everyone's in a blue. And then don't bring me into your stories. Right. I'm not satanic. I am... I love the idea of being possessed by an ancient demon. Though. Yeah. Not a recent demon. I mean, the dog maybe was an ancient demon, but it was also like, but I'm past that. I'm born again. He, Yeah. He'd gotten healthy. Yeah. Um, well, shit, man. That's that, man. We're back. We're off the road for a uh, little while. You mean a week? <laughs> yeah, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just really <laughs> bummed you out there. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the, you know, Detroit, Toronto. That's going to be fun. And then we're just doing these, like, fun little weekends of, like, cool it's our cities. Weekends. Yeah. Weekends are good. It's our weekend. That's that's the enjoyable kind. Get in, we get out. Yeah. We have our fun, we get out. Yeah. Um, well, I think, should we say one thing that makes us happy? Oh, good idea. Is it sleeping all week? Because that's mine. Oh, dude. Sleeping. <laughs> can it be can I, there has to be something oh my new car oh yeah yeah can that be mine this is yes okay this is the first new car i've ever had in my life nice it it feels so luxurious it's a toyota corolla which is my first car i ever had my first oh, wow. my hand-me-down shitty little car that was just like f the the most basic you could get at the time and this one has like fucking a moon roof and a fucking an automatic like your seat moves automatically i've yeah, never yeah. had a car it with shapes it to you as you get in yeah or it has like the when you need to move it forward it just like you don't have to uh, oh, crank yeah. it you know you don't yep. have to do that while you're driving and accidentally almost hit your face on the steering wheel or crash right or crash yes. yeah it has like it has adult things that i never thought i would ever have in my life but it's a toyota so it wasn't fucking ex crazy expensive as a cooch warmer, which is like to me the next level of fucking class. You can have those all the time. You just you don't have to wait to get into your car. What do you mean? You can fucking slip something. You can do an icy hot pack right into your underwear. <laughs> you trying to get me a yeast infection over here? <laughs> it's just like it feels. It feels grown up. And nice. I'm like, re I didn't think I'd ever care about it, something like this. And I'm really just like pleased and grateful. It's great. It's it's nice. It's nice to like be like, oh, I earned something. Yeah, I earned it. I think yeah. I earned it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I guess mine would be, so this, it, it, this is Thursday. So tomorrow night I am playing a show with my friends the band sure sure right at the satellite in la so if you live in the la area steven and i will be there these guys are coming uh i think i only can only put one name on the guest i'm coming okay <laughs> <laughs> but if you are around and want i absolutely guarantee that you will love this band sure sure they are so fucking good they're going to be famous i just you I, played them I, for me and i was like 
it was one of those things where like, this reminds me of a little of this and it was all like classic bands that you love yes it's really fucking good yeah it's not I told them because we did a show together like four years ago and it was just because uh, my friend Kevin is in the band and he was like do you want to do a show with us mm-hmm. and I told him after the show I was like I was so scared mm-hmm. to see your band because when do you go see a band and you're like that was the best thing ever it's not that it's, often yeah it's intimidating when you go see when, not intimidating when you go see a friend who's like come see me do this thing you're like oh Right. And you're like, oh, my God, you're so talented. Yes. It's just so exciting. Yeah. And people are great. And their their music is just so listenable. I mean, I've I've already given the recommendation. Yeah. But, um, and you're playing music. First? And I am opening for them. Yeah. So I'm going to do a couple of my old moldy oldies. Com- you have some you have some like classic songs and you have some comedy songs too right yeah are you gonna do i don't think i have classic songs you don't do a lot of like well then you have some like sad ones <laughs> classic like, songs like like uh goodbye yellow brick road or yeah something. no just like not not outright comedy some of my that are like comedy sad. songs make you sad exactly yeah but i can still hide behind the comedy part okay. so that's good Got it. yeah i'm only gonna do a handful um if i was at the show and someone did like if they're I would be like get off the stage I just want to see this band please um, So I'm I excited to see you play I'm excited to play because I haven't done it in a while I haven't seen you play since I've known you Oh yeah you got it I, I did a show yeah, that's right. I did a show um, When we were in Denver I got to right. do for the High Plains Comedy Festival I got to go do a variety show after our show yeah. Which was super fun and a bunch of people that were At our show came to that show too And I thought it was going to be kind of Shitty because I hadn't played publicly In a really long time mm-hmm. And it was super fun so I'm Super looking forward to it but more Than that if you like good Music I would recommend being At this show I think yeah I think it's gonna I'm excited <laughs> I mean Steven how long was that? Steven. Steven. Um, fuck. I like this episode. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like we have to sign off. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. But it's like, well, you've already done that. Yeah, you do that so much. We appreciate that. It's so nice. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Bye. Bye. Elvis, get out of the cat box. Hey, you want a cookie? You want a cookie? Oh, that, yeah? Elvis. Want you a want cookie? Okay. You want a cookie? <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Bye. What do I do? I don't know how you keep asking me.